Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We're we're back, and we have watched two more episodes of Galaxy Four. The uh, the second episode, what was Steel Trap? Is that what it's called? Trap of Steel. Okay, I, I was on the right track, but uh, yeah. so that's another one that does not exist, and it was a reconstruction. And then the third episode is back! Hooray! Uh, what was that one called? It was called Airlock. Oh, of course, yes, that one actually. Yeah, th- these ones have had pretty good. Um, Pretty good title significance. <laughs> In that a trap of steel mm-hmm. indicated what was the trap of steel? Was it um mm-hmm. was it the I mean was was it the Vicky, not the greatest was title it significance? Little, was it the gate that came down and trapped Vicky? Was that the trap of steel? No, because that wasn't this one, which was airlock. <laughs> okay, maybe it's okay. So, not the greatest title significance, but airlock, very clear, very clear. Airlock. But it does seem to be that in these stories, quite often the title significance is only revealed at the very end in the final episode, and it's actually the cliffhanger more often than not. That's true, because four hundred. Well, four hundred dawns is when the initial estimate was. Well, the episode's called 400 Dawns. I know, but why? I think they mentioned that we... I don't know why. I don't remember. Uh, I think they said they had been there for roughly... They, they crash-landed roughly 400 uh, Dawns ago, and they've got, they think they have 14 left before they're blown to smithereens. I like the idea that, uh, that this planet with three suns doesn't measure their... <laughs> although, really, there's no one on this planet because both the Jovens and the Rills are, are visitors, so to speak. But I like how they refer to it as dawns and not days. Mm-hmm. I suppose. And, I mean, this got me thinking about uh, more science fiction-y stuff like uh, Nightfall by Isaac Asimov and, and other things where you have a planet with multiple suns and, and, you know, they do talk about not having, like, it's daytime most of the time so i wonder how long is a dawn actually like i mean for the purposes of this this is completely headcanon i'm sure they're just supposed to we're supposed to think it's just a day but if you got three suns and you know what if it doesn't get dark for what we would consider you know two years or something like that like when you have three suns in the sky although the suns did all seem to be pretty close to each other so they did and the doctor mentioned that uh like a night on this planet this unnamed planet mm-hmm. probably lasts about two hours yeah. it's kind of like the uh the nights on derillium singing towers of derillium mm-hmm. from the uh husbands of river song last 24 years. earth years mm-hmm. yep anyway that is all completely beside the point and has nothing to do with these two episodes of galaxy four which i have to admit i'm not quite so hot on as i was on uh, episode one because you like beginnings you love <laughs> beginnings of things it's so true i like i like when things start out like that's what gets me excited because you know they laid out all of the ideas and it actually moved pretty quickly and was paced pretty nicely there was a lot more fifth faff running around sort of stuff in these two episodes i even you know i noticed it in the in the recon and definitely in this one and uh, there were some stupid decisions here and at the end of of airlock that really kind of bothered me a little bit like what well okay so 
I'm fine with the doctor and Vicky sneaking in. Um, I think that that was actually, that was a really cool idea that they realized they can get behind the chumblies and, you know, in real life, in real practice, that would be very difficult to pull off. But for a TV, a kid's TV show, I think that that's a a great idea. Uh, It just took them kind of a long time to get to that point. And then it took them a while just like kind of wandering into the corridors and hiding from chumblies, which... You know, I guess maybe it would have been more interesting if we could have seen all of that happening because that was in the reconstructed episode. The part that bothered me is at the end when Vicky is inside, uh, actually Vicky and the doctor are inside talking to the Rill. The Rill says that Stephen has come out, but then he went back in because he saw a chumbly. Mm-hmm. And the doctor forbids Vicky from going to, to tell Stephen that the Chumblies are safe, which actually that's fine because had she gone back by herself, she might have gotten captured by one of the Dravins. So that that's okay. The part that bothers me so much is Vicky figures it out. She says, oh, you know, Stephen thinks that the Chumblies are still dangerous. So that's why he has gone back in there. Mm-hmm. The thing to do at that point would be to ask the Rill to send a message to the Chumbly move the chumbly away so Stephen doesn't see the chumbly anymore and he can get out and and go on his own. No, they leave the chumbly there to just watch, I guess. And then they have to like rush out even though they can't rush very fast because the chumblies aren't aren't really quick. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, if they there would have been no cliffhanger, there would have been no need for it if they would have moved the chumbly away right away cuz then Stephen would have just left. Although the chumbly still needed to monitor the Why? ship. Why? I don't know, that was his job, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but they could have sent a message. They can they can clearly send messages. They should have sent a message to the Chumbly saying, please, you know, return to base or move t- far away to the other side of the ship where, <laughs> where Stephen can't see it or something. But then Stephen might go, oh, that's my chance. Now I can sneak up on it and kill it, maybe. Maybe. I'm playing devil's advocate, you understand. Yeah, not very well. Okay. <laughs> um, anything else annoy you about these uh, two episodes? Not really, and I wouldn't even say okay. That did that did annoy me, right. but the um, but the rest of it, the just the slow pace, that didn't really that didn't really bother me. It even, was just it was just not as exciting as the first episode. You ever notice that uh, a, a pattern emerges when we do four part stories in uh, for Lazy Doctor Who of the sixties so far mm-hmm. that we do the first episode, mm-hmm. you know, we do an episode, and then we watch two and three. <laughs> And we do a podcast and we do episode four, we do a podcast or sometimes two through four because we realize, I think now that yeah, middle action sometimes isn't as, uh, mm-hmm. as fast paced as we'd like it. Yeah. There's not quite as much to talk about necessarily in episode two. Um, although there were, there were some things that I, yeah. other, some, other things to notice. Uh, is this the first time we ever see any kind of a screwdriver in Doctor Who? Oh, possibly. I mean, it was very, like, strongly featured. Obviously, it's not the sonic screwdriver, but I just thought it was funny that he br- brings out a screwdriver to scratch on mm-hmm. the, uh, I would have just pulled out a key, but, you know. Mm-hmm. The screwdriver works as well. I will mention that um, the scripts for this initially were written with Barbara and Ian in mind. Uh, Ian was written out, obviously. Stephen basically takes all of Barbara's lines with little alteration. Um also, also of note, perhaps he actually takes the costume because he's wearing a cardigan as well. <laughs> I did when I was looking for, oh, I was looking up the spelling of Draven for my tweet about the last mm-hmm. episode. I apologize for that, uh, for that pun. No, I really don't. No, you don't. No. Um, and I did see just a quick glance that, uh, that yes, Stephen was, um, 
was basically given all of Barbara's lines and that Peter Purvis wasn't particularly happy about that, I guess. I don't know no. why, because I actually think he's doing a great job in this story. Uh, so yeah, I noticed the cardigan and I, I, I had a little giggle to myself as well. Like, yeah, he's even inherited the battle cardigan from, from Babs. Um, but, but I, I, I actually like what he's doing. Uh, the fact that he n- is pretending to sleep. He's trying to convince, and that is a very Barbara sort of thing to do to try to convince the, uh, the underlings, the, the unnamed Dravins mm-hmm. to sort of rebel. It's like Steven, the socialist, <laughs> like just because she's a leader, should she really have special things? You should have special things too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go Steven. Um, but yeah, very Barbara like, and then pretending to sleep. And that was a creepy to the camera speech from MAGA about, you know, the future of of the planet being destroyed and the experience of the people left behind on the planet and how they will feel and their their fear mm-hmm. as it blows up Ooh, that was creepy effective yeah very creepy now now you can see that they are clearly the bad people here mm-hmm. um and the and the rills the the mysterious rills who i think so the story goes i don't think they're uh, a photo or a telesnap existed of the rills um, so when this episode was uncovered in some guy's garage in England in 2011, this is like the first time that anybody have ever act, had seen a rill. Since it aired the first time. That's true. Since those people who remembered it in 1965. Wow. But, um, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. Um, what else about this, this episode? How, how did it feel then? Because, uh, uh, we saw a little bit of the Chumbly and the moving footage. And then, of course, we saw, like, the loose cannon uh, new Chumblies, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. They actually built a Chumbly or got uh, got an original Chumbly and filmed bits of it for the reconstruction. But now we actually see Chumblies in motion uh, in the studio and on film. How do you feel about the Chumblies now that you've actually seen them move? Um, I'm I'm slightly less Team Chumbly now after that. Because, the, yeah, in the, the first recon... They just look so little and adorable, and it, I don't know. There's not as much detail. Is that because they're just little models or something? Um, but they look super, super cute. And now, seeing them full size on video, uh, they, they're they're not quite as smooth um, as I would as I thought. <laughs> their little top the like little... <laughs> bounces around and stuff. That's actually it's I kind of like the top yeah. wiggle wiggle waggling. It's it's like I hate bobbleheads with a. Like severe, <laughs> severe passion. I cannot stand them. They're one of the worst things in the world. Uh-huh. But a bobble top Chumbly oh, is kind of adorable. Chumbly bobblehead. Get on that character <laughs> options. I would get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as long as see the thing about bobbleheads that bothers me the most is the ones that are like giantly oversized heads. So, yeah. and you can't do that with a Chumbly. I, well, I mean, I suppose you could, but that would be stupid because the top of the Chumbly is supposed to be smaller than the rest of it. So mm-hmm. it's adorable that it it bobbles back and forth with its little antenna dealies sort of sticking up there but um but i do like the fact that now that i can see them up close they light up from inside it's like they have little christmas lights inside so i mean overall it probably balances out because yeah they don't move so smoothly and you can kind of hear them creaking and and stuff and and rattling (laughs) as they go along but they light up from the inside and they kind of you know nudge vicky around with like different lights too like sometimes they flash and other times they go like they spin around a little bit the lights mm-hmm. they're kind of a little bit like a proto bb8 in a way you know oh my god they totally are oh. mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure bb8 was very much inspired by the chumblies i think you're right i think <laughs> that jj abrams owes mm-hmm. richard hunt who designed this 
uh, a lot of money <laughs> for ripping off his idea. Yeah. Speaking of design, um, big props to Daphne Dare, the costume coordinator, designer. I can't remember what her title is uh-huh. at this point. Uh, I really like the Draven costumes. You know, it's it's very much a classic like '60s idea of what the future would look like. That sensibility. You got these weird plasticky looking white shoulder covers kind mm-hmm. of shoulder pads and then you know bits that that stretch down to their waist and have sort of a 60s feel to the the way that there's a lattice work kind of along the side mm-hmm. and then they've got these nice split skirts at first i the first time i saw a long shot i was like oh, they're wearing skirts they're supposed to be like space warriors and then i realized oh these are split skirts that is very practical you know leaving leaving their legs free to to run and stuff they won't get overheated and they don't have to worry about getting them caught on stuff because they're not long and yeah, mm-hmm. practical and and stylish. Also, Vicky has a very cute dress, very cute. Yeah, you liked Vicky. Uh, she wore those shoes early. I think she wore those shoes in the chase, actually, those striped shoes that she had. But the dress, I think, is new. I don't remember seeing it before. Oh, speaking of shoes, the uh, the Draven shoes are yeah. pretty pretty sweet too. They kind of look a little bit like Chuck Taylors, like proto Chucks. Yeah, they kind of look like fabric tied together i don't know they look a little primitive to be honest when you can see them in more detail in some of the uh because understand that uh, the planet of of space women with guns uh achieved a little bit of um a press back in the day so there's a lot of um publicity photos of the Dravins, and plus it was the beginning of the, of the new season so there's a few publicity photos and so you can see them in more detail kind of disappointed that I haven't seen the Dravins represented in uh, cosplay much at Califrey One or Chicago Tardis. I've been to because that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a Draven made up, you know? Yeah, and actually with the Draven guns, those are pretty sweet looking guns. I think they're neat. Also, the hairstyles. I would I would be happy to see a troop of of Dravins. And mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, if you wanted to do just a subtle cosplay and you didn't feel like doing the whole getup, you could just take some black eyeliner and make a whole bunch of little polka dots on your uh, eyebrows. That's true. Do you recognize the guns? Should I? Yeah. Uh, they are reused again in Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen Genesis of the Daleks. There's mm. no way I would have remembered that. I think they're used somewhere else, too, in another episode, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, they get used again, like, in 10 years' time. Cool. Yeah. So, they, you know, I there's some sort of, like, armed space traders that just go out throughout the universe and and, uh, and trade guns. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. I, I would like to point something out now. I've just... I've just caught upon a theory at this point because mm-hmm. notice that okay the Dravins use the guns I think they're actually used by the Thals or the Khalids in Genesis of the Daleks mm-hmm. can't remember anyway Scarrow based uh, listen to the sound of the doors on the um, Draven spaceship when it goes open mm-hmm. same doors as heard in the Dalek city in the Daleks and of course on the real spaceship the the background noise is the Dalek control room sound played backwards. Three Dalek references. Perhaps they, perhaps the Daleks outsourced their technology at some point, or perhaps the Dravins and Rills, independent of one another, um, somehow stumbled across it and used it for their own. Mm. Yeah, I recognize that Dalek sound, and I didn't even know that it was, not the door sound, 
um, although now that you mention it, yes, yeah. that was that was definitely familiar. But the sort of Dalek control room sound, I didn't know that it was played backwards because it is, you know, it's kind of a boom, 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 boom sort of a sound. Mm-hmm. So when you play it backwards, it sounds kind of the same as when it's played yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know the difference. Um, one last thing, unless you have anything else. Um, at the beginning of the story, episode one, Vicky is giving Stephen a haircut, but it's like <laughs> his hair is bouffant. It's like, you know... It's like early 80s new romantic kind of hair he's got going on. It's not a bouffant because it's not styled up. It's just very, you know, he's action hero tussled. He's just got a lot of, of hair. And yeah, it, I find it funny that, that it was being cut in the first place. That is that is an odd thing. That, that That's one of the domestic things that we see crop up in the TARDIS a few times. Mm-hmm. Because we also had uh, Barbara cutting Ian's hair. Um, not in the TARDIS that was that was in the Romans and yeah. they were outside. But anyway, just sort of a intimate sort of thing that TARDIS team people do for each other, yeah. I guess. Because how else are you going to get your hair cut? Well, the TARDIS is unpredictable. <laughs> it's not like you know, let's go get our hair cut at a barber mm-hmm. or something like that. You never know where the space barbers are. You know, <laughs> they only ever seem to land in like pre, you know, earlier in history Earth. And who knows what they have for barbers back in those? So they just mm-hmm. wore wigs, didn't they? Or, you know, then they land on other planets in the future, and yeah. usually most people are dead, so <laughs> how are you going to find a barber there? Space barber. Space barber. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it then? They we're back to the recon now after that uh, gloriousness of a moving picture episode of Doctor Who. It was really exciting to see the, the moving picture and get to, to watch them. I mean, I feel like there are so many probably delightful little moments that we are missing in the other bits because there the one moment that I think just got me the most that I laughed out loud was after the doctor has been let you know he's he's stopped trying to sabotage the ammonia machine and he's been let in and he's following the chumblies in and then he takes his staff and as he's you know asking a chumbly to do something or telling him I can't remember he just sort of like you know taps it a lot you know he's the stern old man he taps yeah. it with his cane a couple of times on the base as he's saying what he's saying and it just it was just a delightful little piece of stagecraft and that's the kind of thing that may have been you know delightful little moments like that happening left and right and we just haven't been seeing it well hartnell hated this episode because <laughs> he hated um everyone hated this episode apparently because uh, hartnell didn't like how he had to be very precise in his movements so mm-hmm. that he stayed away the chumblies so perhaps a little tap was to like saying you stay stay on your mark old boy you know that mm-hmm. sort of thing one thing we forgot to mention very rare instance of a flashback <gasps> right. when the real talks about what happened when the uh the Draven soldier died yeah I, I remarked upon that as it was happening um a couple rare things there because a it's a flashback which is something that we don't usually see in doctor mm-hmm. who and i just i wonder if if that was a common enough thing that that there was no trouble for the kids kind of understanding it um but then also there was a lot of blood in that flashback Mm -hmm. that draven's face was entirely covered in blood she had like a rag that was also covered in blood i was like wow this is uh i think that might be like the most blood i have ever seen in doctor who even more than uh whatever the cyberman episode is with all the blood hand oh uh attack of the cyberman yeah like there's some blood there too but i feel like this is actually more volume wise yeah, but it look it was like sort of like the way it was painted on. It was quite clearly fantasy blood, so to speak. Draven fantasy blood. Well, and it was black and white though, so That's I true. don't know. Could have been chocolate sauce. 
Mm, now I'm hungry. Yeah. Although I did have Happy Canada Day. I did have a maple ice cap from Tim Hortons to mm-hmm. celebrate while we watched episode one. So that's true. I had uh, I had the regular ice cap, which is also good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does prove though that um, the uh, Draven. I mean, the attack on the Dravens mm-hmm. was an inside job because it was Maga who shot her. Mm-hmm. Yep. The plot has thickened. Yeah. What is going on with that lady? And yeah, that is that is one of the things that I am the most intrigued by in this story is just the the sort of weird science fiction class system that's going on amongst the Dravins. She's Maga's the only one who can think and mm-hmm. reason and she gets really intense about it and oh her her little aside about I told them that we needed, you know, more scientists or people who can think and they said to if you're gonna conquer space, you need soldiers and like, ooh. I know. That piques my interest. Dissension amongst the Draven race mm-hmm. about how they should go about conquering space, which rhymed. And the, and the fact that they are out, out conquering space, they're not just exploring and trying to find a place to settle. They're conquering. It's mm-hmm. very clear now. Bunch of hawks is what they are. Hawks? And doves. You know, hawks is and mm-hmm. you know, hawk. Not actual hawks, not okay. flying birds of some sort, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. War hawks. There you go. Is that it? You want to watch episode four? Yeah, let's watch episode four. Okay. Uh, just a note. I don't know. Have we ever said this? Uh, is LazyDoctorWho.com our site? Mm-hmm. Yes. If you go to LazyDoctorWho.com, it, it will redirect you to our page on TheUncomparable.com. Yeah. So. And that's where you can, each episode we play, we post the, um, usually on Daily Motion or something, if it's mm-hmm. a recon, especially you can watch the episode in question. So, because mm-hmm. uh, I know that some of these episodes are a little hard to come by. So you can watch them that way. Yeah, if they ever get put up online some place like that's wholly legitimate, mm-hmm. that, that is where we will link to. Yeah, but until then, mm-hmm. yeah. Although the uh, the um, Galaxy 4, there's a whole recon of it, a, a sort of a shortened recon of episodes 1, 2, and 4, and then in the middle of that is the complete episode 3. Uh, that's available on the Aztec Special Edition, which I assume is still in print, but you never know. Mm. You never know. No. Not these days. No. Physical media is going bye-bye. It is. Our own little missing episode crisis. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go watch episode four, The Exploding Planet. I, I think I get the title significance there. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>